All right, so Jay brought us a 40-pound bottle of tequila. What's the story here? Oh, what's the story That's here? That's Michael Jordan's tequila. You know that, right? No, I don't. Yes, you do. Well, you know that. Excuse me, I said, I said Jay. I said, Jay, what's the story here? Oh, well, no, no, Josh is spot on. I uh, was just at a, an event at the New York Stock Exchange that Scott Wapner hosts, uh, you know, and Josh King of the New York Stock Exchange called Whiskey Wednesday. And, of course, I brought tequila from Whiskey Wednesday. But the guest that he interviewed... They should do that at 7 a.m. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that would have been back in the 50s and, then go, and 60s. And then go trade. I feel like you could have done that in the 80s. Yeah, they, yeah. I think they did. That's how I got my start, because they were drinking and I got to go Was the 80s Whiskey Monday, Whiskey Tuesday, Whiskey Wednesday? Pretty right? much. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jay, Jay, was, Jay, Jay was the only one trading in the 80s. The <laughs> yeah. So uh, the story with this is uh, they hosted this event, and uh, Scott will interview some celebrity every time as someone that's usually on his show and this time was the Celtics owner um, and he was telling this story about how he and his wife are out to dinner with Michael Jordan and uh, Jordan huge tequila guy and they came up with this idea no we got to create your own brand of tequila right and uh, this was the brand they had some reps there and uh, they convinced me to try it I hadn't had tequila since my 21st birthday it was my 21st shot on my 21st birthday yeah it was it was and it was a little plastic cup and uh, that was shot 21 and that's the last time I I I couldn't even smell it but uh, I had this I heard the story about the bottle shaped in 23 degree angles for Michael Jordan oh I don't even know about that yeah yeah the bottle is the art. That That's is That's 23? Amazing. looks like 27 to me, but yeah, okay, I'll, well, take, I'll yeah, take your word for it. Yeah, get your compass out. Yeah. Just double check. But uh, 23 <laughs> degree angles. And um, yeah, I tried that. I thought it was great. And I thought I'd just bring some to you guys. One of my, it's one of my favorites. And we actually- You've had this? Yeah, we just polished one off during the Super Bowl. Me and two other guys. It's embarrassing with yeah. the kids there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the best. Mm-hmm. I, and you never want to assume that an athlete or a rapper or- a singer or a movie star has a good tequila. Yeah. Because he mostly don't, but this is like a really good well, one. Michael Jordan is going to put his name on it. It's, yeah. it's got to be the best, right? The Rocks is like mid. It's okay. It's, it's not great. It's just mid. No, it's a mixer. Hopefully he's better at that than at uh, owning a basketball team. Who? The Rocks? Duncan, or from, or the oh, Charlotte. Duncan from the top Charlotte. ropes. Charlotte Hornets? Oh, well, Duncan's a Charlotte native. He could yes. say that. He's been one of the yeah, worst. Yeah. I think they just need to sell that team. Wait, you have, uh, you have Lamella Ball. Right. <laughs> for now. <laughs> that. You have that for now. Um, so I think I f***ed up Valentine's Day this year. How so? So I, uh, I guess I get accused of this often that I have no idea what's going on around me, which is sort of true. Like I walk through the house with a podcast in my ears and staring at, you know, Slack on my phone or whatever. So anyway, I did like a card. I did, um, a balloon and a package of Twizzlers, but like in a cute way. Mm-hmm. When my, I used to take my wife to the movies and she would always get Twizzlers. Okay. And the card was like, I didn't like write a novel. I just, but uh, I wrote like uh, Beatles lyrics. Like my wife complains about the winter. She hates yeah. it here. She wants to move to Florida. So I wrote like, here comes the sun. Like I was just like trying to like do cute. something very low key. I was mm. not like, cause I'm not allowed to, there's a whole other thing. I'm not allowed to spend money on her. Why? Because I'm an idiot and okay. I buy the wrong thing. <laughs> so she tells me what she wants and then yeah. I could spend money. Yeah. So that's the way and it works. And you listen, you, you actually succeed. Dude, I'm this? the kind of idiot that, like, I booked a surprise trip during hurricane season to the Caribbean. Like, I do shit like that. Right. You get a good deal around that time. Yeah, well, I, no, I had to literally not go and yeah. just eat it because it was an actual hurricane. I think it was, I think it might have been Katrina. I don't even, I don't even know <laughs> what's going on. Anyway, so I just do this, like, little thing. Yeah. And she's just like... All right, I'll, you know, and I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? All right, like I got you a Valentine's. She's just like, 
no, I appreciate that you did that. Uh -huh. You really like just don't know me at all. She's like, first of all, Beatles lyrics. Yeah. I'm not your mom. Yeah. Like your mom would love that, right? Jeez, mm -hmm. that's harsh. I know. Well, that is harsh. No, what, but, what, but what song? Taxman? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I wrote the Taxman <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> no, it's it's the point though that I do think that I have to step up my game in terms of just observing what yeah. oh, Twizzlers, I'm not eating sugar. How do you not know that? Everyone mm -hmm. knows. Um so anyway. She's like, if I asked the kids right now what they should have gotten me for Valentine's Day, they would know exactly because they observe. They're yeah. paying attention. And the answer is $7.99 flowers from Trader Joe's. They actually have really nice flowers. Yeah. Really she goes nice. every week. She buys flowers for 8 bucks, puts them in a vase My in the kitchen. My wife does that too. Yeah. And then they die. And so what? It was 8 bucks, And that, like, she's just like, that's what I like. I don't like the Beatles. I've known you 30 years. You know that. Yeah. Um, so that was like half-assed. And then, you know, I'm not eating sugar or you should have known. I don't need Twizzlers. And she kind of had a little bit of a point. So, so you need to be present. You should take no, a yoga class. So I went to, I know. <laughs> so I went to Trader Joe's and I, I got the flowers and we're Perfect. still married. Perfect. Um, but I do think that there's something, there's something to that where I'm really not in the moment at all. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, there's so, a lot of pressure on that day. And, you know, you're married how long? Uh, we'll be 20 years in, uh, in October. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. It's not. Uh, it's, what I'm just not good at that shit. Yeah. Should we go? It's just a Hallmark holiday. You could have gone that route. True. It's just, no, I'm just not good at that. I'm just not good at that yeah. shit because I'm not observant of other people's shit. It's Me true. Meanwhile, this guy on Instagram, great birthday post for your he wife. He crushes this stuff. And Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's factually not true. No? No. Why? But, but like, what is your, this, so your Valentine's Day is the same week as Robin's birthday every year. I haven't bought, I maybe I shouldn't say that loud. I haven't bought Robin a birthday present, I don't think ever. Really? How is that possible? Nicole's like, what? <laughs> we're not present, but we're not you know, present. While we're, you were dating? We're not present people. By the way, it's 900 degrees in here. We're not present people. So okay. Like if she wants. Yeah, it's hot. Is there anything we could do about this? Is it a little hot know. in here? My ears are sweating. It's 70 yeah. outside. Put the AC on a little bit. I know Duncan's going to get upset, but. No, you know what? You know what I got yesterday? I got for my wife for her birthday this year? Literally, my, my mudroom got finished on her birthday, coincidentally. All right, so you got a so construction project. Nice. Love the mudroom. Mudroom's a must. Do you know how I won Valentine's Day this year? How? Just one simple post. My ladies, my wife, my two daughters, and her dog, Lola. Where did so, you post this on LinkedIn? Uh, not on LinkedIn. <laughs> Come on. Mastodon. Mastodon. MySpace. You really want, the, you really want it on? Uh, I mean, yes. No, just crack a window. Or crack a, oh, that's a good idea. We're gonna get a little bit of ambient noise from the street below, but we'll—I feel like we could live with that. There we go. That'll work. Hey, we're not—we're uh, not plugged in, John. We're not plugged in over here. Did it go up? Yeah. Um. All right. So neither of you guys have been on the show yet. Two of two of two of my favorite yeah. uh, buddies to talk about markets. Jay, with. I thought that you were on the show, but I—I I, no, you never. I was, I was invited. I was on vacation. I couldn't come in. Uh, okay. So. But What's your excuse? Where have you been? I don't know. Where's my invite? We've been doing this for <laughs> 18 months. All right. And, All right. I, I, and Ramp was upset he wasn't on show 69. He was. He's still fuming about that. <laughs> uh, we can't have Ramp because there's a video. I know. Well, he can wear a bag over his head, you know. He's for, for, for 90 minutes. <laughs> Jay, do you see this, yeah, this T plus one settlement? Yeah. What, what's, uh, what's, uh, what would be the ramifications of that? It would be great. I mean, T plus two is archaic at this point. I mean, look at where technology's come in all this time since we've gone to T plus two. I mean, 
it's there, and then everything is solved by the blockchain. I'm told. I don't know. If is this true. an SEC? This is an SEC ruling, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And um, you know, they need to speed up how trades are processed and settled. And you saw this? It just makes sense. I don't, this is in response. There was a to proposal the, uh, yesterday. Meme stock stuff. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of the things that went on during the meme craze, people didn't understand why. You know, they weren't licensed day traders. So you know, their money didn't settle to get in and out of a stock. And, and when they were on margin, and it, there was a whole blown. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. All right, we're back. We're back. All right, so I think I think that that was not the issue though. It was net capital requirement. Yeah. Um, so I mean, what does what does settlement really have to do with that? I guess. But uh, the T plus two, it's just when you're in 2023. Is that yeah. what we are? You know the way things transact. I mean, just seeing my evolution on the floor from paper to you know actual milliseconds we we can't speed up the process i remember t things. plus three was uh 25 years ago when they i started used to have it. wednesdays t off yeah t to plus settle trains. T plus three. On and where are we at now t plus two t plus two <laughs> so we're going to t plus one why don't we just, why don't we just skip it t should plus be one instant. and go right to the blockchain yeah, yeah. it's like instant. six six minute abs uh, exactly so what about uh, zero days to expiration you guys up on this danny watch it i mean i'm not super up on it we don't trade a ton of options but i think it's interesting i think it remains to be seen what it means for market dynamics but I don't know. Kind of creates more of a casino environment than probably what most what investors want. Zero data day. expiration. But does the option create on that day, or they're yeah, just, they're listed, they expire, and, and, and they it's gone and expire. Yeah. How, so how much do these things move? They can move a lot. But they're that's volatile. the majority. Isn't that the majority of the option trading now? That or not yet? is starting to become that way, and the volumes have been spiking dramatically. So as a product, the people bringing that product to market are very happy with it. Um, the average investor- How do they make money? Just activity? I think the more volume, the more- uh, So they, who wins here? Citadel? Nobody wins. No one wins. No, Nobody. the casino, the, the house wins. But who is the house? The, is the, the house- The market, market makers. Maker? Market or, makers, I yeah. guess. Yeah. The, ex the exchange must like it. Exchanges probably like it. Market makers probably like it. Whenever there's more volume, that's- How about hourly money. options? Can we do that? Probably. You know, we just got the T plus one. Let's like not what push if, the what if I'm like what if I'm bullish on Cisco but like between two and three o'clock and I just want to put that well, I guess I would probably, I would ask you, how bullish are you? Extremely bullish enough to buy uh, an option that's gonna expire. All right, let's start the show. Oh, I don't have my doc opened. Let's go. Mike. Yep. The bottle's right there. Okay, got it. By the way, remember what time of year it is, Duncan. We have to freeze this room out from now on in the afternoons. Oh you, you you're such a fat guy with the with the body I'm temperature. Just it's just I I would rather be cold than hot. All right, all right. Wow, we're back. Welcome to the Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Now, you know, I think the Fed screwed up by allowing it to, to the, the you know, zero interest rates to go on for too long. Uh, I think we're just beginning to pay the price for that. And, uh, I, you know, it'd be nice to say that it'd be great if the Fed got lucky. Uh, I've been around for 50 years and I've never seen the Fed get lucky. Uh, all I've seen the Fed do is, is mistake in terms of not acting fast enough. 
uh, super bad. Wait, you know a, real, a real estate guy is is not happy with the Fed. You know who that is Michael. Just said it's a real estate guy, so it is. Is it, is it Zell? Yes. Zell, yeah. very good. What, what were you gonna guess? I was not gonna guess. You gonna say Wilford Brimley? <laughs> it did sound like <laughs> this Wilford old house. Brimley. Sam Zell talking to uh, Sarah. Um, he's a doubter of the soft landing thing that I guess everyone over the last two weeks has become like starting to believe in. Yep. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't see it going that way. Um, I wanted to give you guys a big introduction. I'm so happy that you're both here together. I'm, I'd be happy individually, but this is just awesome because you guys are friendly and we've kind of been to a lot of the same events over the years, uh, all of us together. Wait for the podcast listeners. We've got three quarters of the of the audience of the of the host are bald today. It's so true. when? Brought to so you when? by Rogan. Yeah, first, and time, first time. And I'm trying to catch up. First time. As, as, fast, <laughs> as fast as I can. Uh, all right, let's start with Dan. Dan Russo, I wrote you an introduction. You are the director of research and a portfolio manager at Potomac Fund Management, an investment management and research platform for financial advisors. Prior to Potomac, you spent time at Chaikin Analytics, Susquehanna, and others, including time on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And Dan, you're also teaching technical analysis at Baruch College in New York City. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We're so happy to have you. Uh, Jay Woods. Jay is working on something new. So currently, you're on the board of directors of the CMT Association. Most recently, chief market strategist for Drive Wealth Institutional at the New York Stock Exchange. You've been on the floor how many years? 30. Okay. <laughs> um, most of that time, you were with Goldman? Correct. Okay. Well, Goldman Sachs bought- uh, Spearleads and Kellogg. Spearleads and Kellogg. 2000. Okay. Great Very deal cool. for Spear. Uh, while at the New York Stock Exchange, you reached the highest level elected position on the floor- uh, as executive floor governor, and you've been known to give a nice tour, including to me and my lovely family, That's right. which was pretty epic, yeah. which we could, we could talk about. Um, Tony Dwyer officially refers to you, shout to Tony, as the uh, the NYSE, the official NYSE greeter. Scott Wapner recently called you, quote, the mayor of the floor, which I would agree with. Mm -hmm. Um and you also introduced my kids to Sports Illustrated supermodels. Yeah. Which is true. We, I guess we brought the kids down to the floor during February break. Yeah. And that's right around the time they put out Sports Illustrated. You're nodding. I know when you know that that issue comes out. I do. Okay. It's every <laughs> February. <laughs> no, because I was on the floor as well. I remember they would always bring the, bring the models down to ring the opening bell or the yes. closing bell. Do you know why it's February? Well, they actually just moved it to May. Because swimsuit season. But uh, it was always February for Valentine's Day. That was when the party was for years. Recently, they expanded. They got a little more diverse in, in uh, the people that are in the magazine, and they moved it to May. So uh, we haven't seen them down there this time of the year, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, so hold on. And mm -hmm. then, Dan, you're saying that Jay got your daughter on TV? He did. See. We have these pictures. John, put this on screen. Let me say. Right there over, over Quintanilla's shoulders. Oh, look at that. It's my daughter and Jay, not me. Let me see. Let me see the next one. And there oh, they are awesome. hanging out on the set. Now, the younger one got really You know really how much upset. money she cost me on Zillow? <laughs> She's the worst. She was dead wrong. She was dead wrong. Okay. Absolutely. How old, are you, how old are your daughters? 12 and 8. 12 and 8. Those were the days. Yeah, it's fun. I have a 16-year-old daughter now. I have a 17-year-old stepson. If only I could go back. If only I could go back in time. All right, that's awesome. So how long have you guys known each other? God, I don't know. Time. We overlapped on the floor, actually. I left the floor in 2007, so okay. we overlapped there briefly, so we know a lot of the same people, but it was yeah. kind of more when you got involved with the CMT Association that we really became 
closer. Yeah, fighter. it's the technical analysis bond that brought us together. I've overlapped your time on the floor, but we were both. We didn't work in the same room on the floor. Market you guys makers were in the garage. Yeah, we stood in one place all day. So I, there were five thousand people at one point down on that floor, but I would only know like five hundred because I just stood in one place. People came to me. Uh, so you but didn't you had a very specific. The last five years or so, you have a very specific spot on the floor. Yes. You are right when people walk in. I was. I, I you was, were the first person that people pass. Every guest that comes down those stairs from the CNBC, you know, when you get your hair yeah, and yeah. makeup done. Dude, they should build so you a statue outside the NYSC. Like, well, they got like to build the cash. Next to the fearless girl? They got to build the cash and <laughs> statue first. Yeah, and the cash and, and statue first. He does deserve a yeah, yeah. statue. They could put you on top of the bull. There you, there you, there go. you go. That would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, no, Mr. Cashin deserves all the accolades. I, I just say hi. I'm friendly to people. It's It's pretty easy. So you, so you and I met through the floor, but yes, uh, CMT. Let's talk about that for a second. Sure. This chartered market technician. That's, that's like we have JC on the show a lot. That's good friend. Uh, do they still like him there, or has he been excommunicated? What's going on there? JC is a lightning rod. Uh, he brings attention. Okay. And, uh, he's, he's my favorite guest on this show. He's my favorite CMT. So. Uh, yeah, he he tells it like it is, and and some of the older guys in the organization may not think that's the best way of going, uh, yeah. but he brings eyeballs to us. He has been such a strong advocate for the organization. We're having our 50th anniversary in April. Yeah. Uh, so if you go to the cmtassociation.org, you can check that out. Super respectful of the yeah. CMT organization, but they should kiss JC's ass. Yeah, no, he's, he's I mean, still very involved. He's and, very involved. Uh, we're, we're chapter heads of the New York uh, chapter, and, yeah. and we're going to have Brian Shannon. I didn't even tell you this. Brian Shannon's coming in uh, in early April, promote shout, his book. Shout to Shannon. We're awesome. going to have some drinks. You guys will be invited. And, uh, you know, for the 50th anniversary, we, we got the floor of the exchange. We're having a big party. Uh, some nice speakers lined up. Um, probably not allowed to say. Did you get Michael Batnick? We're working on it. All We're right. working. He's, he's tough. He's tough. If I get invited, I'll come to that. All right. It's not exactly Miami in February. That's no. True. Not quite the same thing. Uh, are all the guys that trade on the floor quasi or full-on technicians or not necessarily? Uh, it's a mixed bag. There, there are people that go with their gut. There are people, you know, mo- most people is everyone's <laughs> – How are they doing? Yeah, yeah, if you're well, not a technician, what are you, then what are you trading on? What are you, uh, right, rumors yeah. and innuendo. Well, I think it depends you, on it depends on your role really, right? If you were a market maker, you kind of knew your stocks back in the day. I mean I left the floor in 2007. But, you know, the group of stocks that I was assigned to trade, I knew those stocks inside out and backwards from a trading perspective. Right? I had a rough idea of what they were doing. I traded a huge mining company that was you knew the based news in Australia. on those stocks. Of course, you had to know the had news to. because, I mean, the news was generally out before the open. And this is pre-technology becoming as prevalent as it was. I mean, we were the ones who set the opening price based on supply and demand. All the order flow came to us, right? And you, you would see an imbalance. You had a large imbalance to sell. Well, you were going to take the stock lower until you found a point where supply equals demand. And you would open the stock. Obviously, that would be predicated on the news a lot of times, uh, earnings, takeover announcements, but things you like knew, that. Like if a certain news story came out, a certain type of headline, you knew, oh shit, here comes the, you know, here comes the buyers or here come the sellers or who knows. But like you had a sense of that ebb. And you had flow. a sense, but plus you saw the order flow. I mean, what was what was our market share at one point? Uh, when I started, eighty five percent, eighty five percent. So right. you, what is it now? You, it's twenty five percent. Thirty and mostly open and close. That's okay. where the block volume comes in. Those are the two most important trades of the day. So you want a human involved in those at all times. So, okay. Yeah. And, then also, I, and then IPO stuff is still important. The human what's element. What's an IPO? I haven't seen one of those. <laughs> you might see one next year. No, no, uh, they're coming. This, they're coming. Year. You don't see a lot of IPOs with the VIX over twenty. No, the, the, right. the pipeline is robust, and uh, you know, it's growing we, more robust. You sound, you sound <laughs> yes. like a banker. Yeah, this is this is the line. Stop. <laughs> the line me, is robust. Yeah, this, Wait, so I was on the floor for a few big ones. Yeah. 
I was there for Alibaba. The biggest. I was there for Twitter. Yep. I'm trying to think. There were a few. I was there for some hilarious shit, too, like Fitbit. Yeah. They put a giant f***ing treadmill. Like, I mean, like, 50 people could yeah. run on it at once uh-huh. in front of the New York Stock Exchange outside. Yeah. That was that was pretty epic. Yeah, you missed the Gateway Cow back. You were yeah, that was before that was, you that was, when they had to follow time. it with the giant pooper scooper. Um, oh, they had a live yeah. cow. Did yeah, it come yeah. into the, did it come in the exchange? The chimp was there. They had a lion <laughs> for a gold company <laughs> up on the podium. Uh, Dick Grasso was the greatest. He brought in some of the craziest things you could ever imagine. See, they got to do more of that. Like, yeah. is there a committee that's at, that says, you know what, let's have some fun with this? Yeah, they, they're trying. I think they've we been doing it for get... years. I mean, they turned the opening and closing bell ceremony into the greatest promotional event yeah. in yeah. financial markets. But it's because, you know why? Like, you, you know why I think that's important? Like, with ESPN, you have great visuals. Yep. So for financial media, you don't have highlight reels. Like, you know, Dan Russo slamming a, slam dunking a basketball. Like, that doesn't exist. So having, like, a spectacle... Not because it's uh, obviously it's silly, but just giving people good visuals, I think, promotes investing and just generally speaking, I think there should be more, not less. It does. Well, the stat about the bell is, and it sounds crazy when you say it, but it's the most watched event on a daily basis throughout the world. And you think about it on Wall Street today, ding, 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 ding. They're they're showing you. You you may not realize you're watching it, but they're showing it. And then that person- They're showing that clip on newscasts across the world. And then unfortunately, if the market, the Dow closes down a thousand points, everyone still has to sit there and clap as as they're cheering for them ringing the bell. Those are awkward. Yeah, those are awkward. But you know, we've seen, we we get celebrities, we do a lot of charity work, a lot of charity bells, um, a lot of promotion. ETF space has been huge. So you're you're seeing a lot of ETFs. (laughs) Katie Stockton, friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, recently just rang the bell for her ETF launch. So it's it's a great, great platform. I, lo- I love it. All right, we're going to get into, uh, we're going to start with- No, Bit- we're not. Yeah, no, we are. No, we're not. Starting with Bitcoin. No, stop. Yes, we are. No, no, 25,000. Stop, stop. It's not the biggest Bro, story Why are you calling it Bitcoin? Well, that's so lame. All right, fine. Bitcoin. No, we're, no. you 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 dropped the Sam Zell <clears throat> clip and then you just, you just left it hanging. Can we All talk right. about that? Let's go into that. All right. So there was some news this morning. PPI came in hot. Market opened. I think NASDAQ was down 1.3 at the open, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to talk about the possibility of a soft landing that Sam Zell is not buying. So the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, does a survey where they ask a single most important problem. Obviously, it was inflation that spiked from 0% of respondents up to 40%. That is now back down below 20, around 25%. Goldman came out today and said, we have cut our subjective probability that the U.S. economy will enter a recession in the next 12 months from 35% to 25%. 65% is still a consensus somehow. And uh, the city U.S. Economic Surprise Index is its highest since April of last year. So if anything, I, there was a good analogy about like that we, we were going for a soft landing, but we might not land and we just might reaccelerate. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be that the news, at least on the economic front, uh, is getting hotter again. But then how— Or less bad. But, but like how, how is it possible? How many rate hikes do you have to do for these things to roll over? Do you have to go to 10%? Like, I don't even understand mm-hmm. how we could have a reacceleration. Could, could we just say, like, the data, could we just say, like, the data is is uh, misleading if you look at any one month and you have to just think in terms of three yeah, months, Yeah, but, dude, months? It's, yeah. Not just, it's, if, if, it's not just the data that's so good. The market front ran the data. The market continues to look good. Industrials, semis, and home builders, three of the most economically sensitive stock groups, look amazing. Like, the news and the price action confirms bull market. Like I know, I don't know why we're like afraid to say it. 
No, I'm not afraid to say it. I, I would have guessed that we would be in a bear market. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, so we're, at, we're really in the same place. We're, we're, in the same pla- we're in the same place we were two years ago. Uh, so, twenty This time, 21? Yeah. Minus the, the Minus like the, oh, we're in the same no, place the S&P, the S&P level. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and what fascinates me is the amount of conviction on both sides. I mean, people who are bared up have a ton of conviction. This will happen. We will go into recession. Yes. The market will correct 30% from here. And the bulls have just as much conviction. And then you look do at they? the chart. I think so. I what? think the hardcore bullish people do. Eh. Well, they always, but they always will, right? Like that. I mean, permas are permas, right? Yeah. They're always yeah, going to yeah. do their thing. And that's kind of who I'm talking about. I think here. it's much harder to have a lot of conviction in the bull case, even though I'm saying that like that. Which is backwards because yeah. you should have more conviction in the bull case because the market has a tendency to go up over time. And I always like to say this when I was on the sell side, right? Worked with analysts, strategists, things like that. There's career risk to being bearish and wrong. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. If you are vocally bearish, whether it's on a stock, whether it's on the market, yeah. and you're wrong, nobody forgets that. You Absolutely. can be bullish and wrong, nobody cares. True. You know but, what the mitigating factor to that is? Most of the perma bears don't actually manage money. So agreed. there's very little actual disappointment based on them being bearish. Like there's obviously some Reputational famous risk. Right, but the thing is the media loves them because they They give, sound smart. Well, no, they, this, those, right. They sound smart and- the, like the pronouncements they make make for great headlines. Yep, it's clickbait. So they almost have like, um, they almost have like a, a welcome mat that's always out yeah, for them. Yeah, because both sound naive. You don't see the risks, right? right exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, All right. The time. Only you see the risks. The rest of us are complete right. idiots, and 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 we have no idea what we're doing. All right, so we'll get. Well, Dan's got some charts that he brought up, but fine. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about. Well, Bitcoin. can we just? Ma- I didn't want to do like fifteen minutes on it. Can we like mention the fact that Bitcoin is at a six month high? Yeah. That's because it's an inflation hedge. <laughs> Clearly, that's the only. That's the only answer that makes sense. Well, seasonality. February. It's the best performing month. Right? All right. So what is this? Who brought is the chart? Who brought oh, the chart? Right here. <laughs> you know, last ten years. Look at. Wait, wait. Just, what is going on here? February. It's up like nine out of ten months. Eleven. Eleven point seven percent. So February is swimsuit illustrated, uh, swimsuit sports Valentine's illustrated month. Day that you saw Valentine's at. Day and bit, yep. bit, Bitcoin. So, so literally, it's higher ninety percent of all months that we're shown. But nine out of ten. Yeah. And and uh, what is what's at 11, 7? 11, eleven point seven percent average. Game. But when when you show this, this is tongue in cheek, or you, it's it's, okay. it's tongue in cheek, okay. and you know it's Pack, what technicians package it, do. Package it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's seasonality. Look, seasonality you know? on thirteen no, years of data. Yeah. Oh yes, small sample size. Can I can I put just put like a performance fee on this and sell it though. Do sure, you want. So yeah. I saw, oh, definitely. I, I saw a good thread uh, on why, because yesterday we were like, I was, we were, I, I, I didn't even see the news. I said, why is Bitcoin, what, what, what happened? Yeah. And what was the news that you the told Bitcoin me? Bitcoin fed lowered uh, so, interest rates. So no, the, there was, there was a coordinated crackdown from the government um, on, on, on ramps or an off ramps. And they're going after stable coins now. And it's potentially problematic. So somebody had a good thread on this. This guy, Rich Rosenblum said, the sharp rally from 22 to 25K yesterday struck many as unintuitive. Why would Bitcoin jump 10% immediately after a fresh strike of the regulatory shock and awe campaign? He said, one, the threat of regulatory action against stable coins potentially scared capital into Bitcoin and ETH, i.e. a reverse flight to quality, as holding a stable coin earning zero already looked bad last week. Once building a probability drops to zero, it's tempted to move to other crypto assets that have le- that are less reg and credit sensitive. I thought that made a lot of sense. It actually does make sense. I think it sense. does make sense. Um, you know, are you laughing? Yeah. yeah. Why? I never would have thought of that. I thought it was earnings. Oh. I didn't know why it You jumped. thought it was Bitcoin yeah. earnings? Yes. I actually had a good explanation. Okay which is that the Republicans came out with a bill in the House to make it illegal to stop Fidelity from including 
not just Fidelity, stop 401k plans from including Bitcoin as an asset class. But that wouldn't pop at 10%. This would. He's right. Yeah. Well, I think he's right. Who knows what pops at 10 Yeah, no, I no, assume this, that this yeah. is well, right. This I, is, this I did right. include a weekly chart, a five-year weekly. Okay, let's, let's throw it up. Throw yeah. it up. And technically, it just broke out. I mean, look at that. Uh, we're going back. You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do this right here right now. Yeah. I, I hate diagonal trend lines, and I will defer to the, to the technicians, mm-hmm. but there's no price memory there. It doesn't do anything I, for me. I hate trend lines. Ooh. What? I hate trend lines. Even horizontal ones? Horizontal ones. They're subjective. You and, I, you and I can look at the same chart, and we can draw trend lines and have completely different trend lines on the chart, right? They're, they're subjective. Now, there's some rules and about, you know, from the old, uh, you know, CMT curriculum about how you're supposed to draw them, but- you know, to me, I'd rather use the moving averages. What is a moving average but just a dynamic measure of trend? Oh, interesting. So, you know, you know, you could start, you know, who's to say that that's the right trend line to draw? You know, you, do you, well, do you connect, do you it, connect highs? Do you connect closes? Do you connect opens? You know, it's too, that, there's is, too much subjectivity. What is, so, like, what is this trend line, though? That's, so, intra, that's intraday that's price weekly, highs. Weekly, weekly, weekly price high, weekly price high, weekly low. And the only thing I want to point out is something's changed. The trend is broken. Do you— Buy and sell at every trend line? No, you don't. You want to have more evidence. But right now, something's changed. And it's at 25 to is sure. resistance. Something changed. If you go back. Yeah. What is and, the red line? Is that 200? Uh, that's the 200-week moving average. So, moving. you know, I mean, there's still rising, of interest, by the way. as we like to that's say. That's crazy. But uh, it, it def- something's changed. And uh, it looked like it wanted to go much lower when it broke down during the whole FTX thing. And it didn't. It made one low and then a series of higher lows and then broke back out. Pre-FTX, which was in November, Bitcoin mm-hmm. was at 23,000-ish. 20, 23,000. It's 25 today. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It never happened. Yeah. Yeah. How is it that the 200-day never turned no, down? No, 200 weeks. 200, 200, 200 weeks. Week. I mean, that's oh, so slow week. moving. I could give you a daily, yeah. but this, right. this is just I'm a stuck on 200-day. Kind of yeah. 200 week, I get why it's I, never I gone down. Yeah. All right, so Dan, we've got some of your charts. Let's talk on it. What do you want to talk about? Which so, uh, oh, well, this is what you were just mentioning, that bulls and bears both have a ton of conviction. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about, bulls and bears have a ton of conviction, but, John, you know, that's uh, the first Potomac chart. The S&P 500 has gone nowhere for two years. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of volatility around that, but I don't know. How do you have a ton of conviction when, I mean, just look at the past year of trading. You know, right in the, mid- just a, right in the right middle, middle of a complete slop fest, right? Correct. That's a technical term. We're, it's, we're, in the, it's in the curriculum. The market's without trend. It is. Well, no, the trend is sideways. Sideways yeah. is a trend. There's three sideways trends. Yeah, yep. I guess. Right? So, uh, you know, you want to have a ton of conviction. You want to speak like things are going to happen. I love when people speak in absolutes. The market will rally 50%. It will. Well, well yeah, maybe. That's such a great point. The thing that I've been saying to Josh almost seemingly every day, this market is strong. So I'm not saying that things can't change, you know, tomorrow. But for now, even look at today. The market gapped down a lot. The market wants – I don't want to say the market wants it. The market is going higher. We're buying dips. We were just yeah, talking the, about this. The, the mentality has yeah. changed. We're I buying see an inverse again. head and shoulders. Do you want to throw me out the window or – No. It's not a solid neckline to not me. not solid. Yeah. Okay. And you need to see volume. I thought uh, I saw a head and shoulders. You want, a, you want that volume to confirm the, the break of the neckline. It helps. Okay. It helps. I don't believe in that shit either. Well, I'm not a big volume guy because volume gets skewed four times a year when you have expiration, but, like those and rebalances. So to me, you know. But eh. getting back to what the market is actually doing. So mm-hmm. this morning you had PPI that came in hot. Yep. You had one of the Fed officials saying that she was advocating for a 50 basis point rate, rate hike. The market this morning took that as very hawkish. And six hours later, uh, you know, the close is still 45 minutes away, but like dips are getting bought. Great. For, for whatever reason, they're we getting bought. We bought the CPI dip yesterday also. Yeah, we, we have. And, uh, and the retail sales so, number didn't scare people. So what would you say? Like, this is bad news is good news, but in the other direction. Because remember when we were rooting for weak economic data because, like, that would prop up stocks because people would think the Fed would be done. Now it's like, wait a minute. Now bad data is strong data, and, it's, and we're still rallying on that. 
It's almost as if no, 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 because buyers I, and sellers don't really no, care the about the narrative these is changing. The narratives change. So the story is actually we're avoiding a recession. The economy is real reaccelerating. People were too bearish. People got offsides, and now it's positioning. Okay, I, 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 that's I get fair. That. Mm-hmm. I mean, two weeks ago, the most consensus view on the street was that we were going into a recession, right? I mean, it was literally the most consensus. <laughs> what if we view had on the a recession, but it was in the stock market, and it was a correction of valuations and an earnings recession? We've had two quote unquote bear markets in the past three, three years. years. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what if the recession was stock market recession? Like that happens. That's of course, it happens. Yep. So, but there's so many textbook definitions. I, I I say this a lot. Put an asterisk during this whole COVID era because yes. the Very swings. Yes. Yeah, this is the steroid era yes. of stock trading, and we we had the worst decline ever during COVID. You fastest know, bear market, fastest recovery. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing it. You know, we had it just in eggs. We had it in chicken. We had it gas prices. Lumber. Remember lumber? Yeah. Uh, Ramp bought the high on that too. But um, we had like a six week recession in the real economy. Yeah, and so things, things happen don't make sense so quickly. And now people are rooting for the recession because we know the stats. We know, all right, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. All right, that happened. We're going to have a recession. Didn't happen. Yield curve inverted. All right, when was that? It was about a year ago. Usually the average is 12 to 16 months after it inverts, you hit recession. So the sweet spot, if we are to hit recession based on those stats, are April to July of this year. So that's what a lot of us look for in it, but then it's the NBER who makes the decision and the job number has been phenomenal, even though we hear the headline, all these layoffs. The NBER guys can go on vacation right now. They're not going to miss anything because- They backdate the recession anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, these people have shown the stats out there. These these tech companies massively overhired. So, I mean, they're just kind of normalizing that and they haven't even normalized down to pre-COVID levels. Not even close. close. Yeah. So here's a good good stat from Anthony Scaramucci of all people. (laughs) Uh, Because he doesn't, you know, he's not a stat guy. But anyway, here it is. The S&P 500 closed today at whatever close above its 200-day moving average for the 18th session in a row. No prior S&P 500 bear market in history has made a new low after making 18 consecutive closes above its 200-day moving average. So, um, sentiment trader confirmed. Wow, did he hire Charlie Bellello? Where did he get that sent, from? Sent, yeah, sentiment great. trader confirmed. Here we go. The S P 500. This is the chart. I know people that are listening can't see it, but it's never happened. Okay, so do you remember when things that have never happened happen all the all time? time? All it the time. It just happened this all year time. or last year. So, yeah. when, when everybody was talking about, we had the initial drawdown. And then the October. And then the rally. Yeah, and and people were saying oh, yeah, the bear, never yeah. before has retrace a bear market retraced more than fifty yeah. percent, yeah. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. retested low, and, and then in October we made a new yep. low. Yeah. So right. again, none of these stats are infallible, but we talk as you guys talk as technicians about market behavior, mm-hmm. supply and demand. I these stats to me are meaningful because it's just a history of human behavior, and even though this is an extraordinary moment of time, human behavior doesn't tend to change this dramatically. Agreed. So we can make new lows, but this is a good stat. I like this stat. What is yeah. this? This is the stat I was just telling oh, you. This is the one. This is the, the eighteen days. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do your internals and intermarket stuff. I think this speaks to your point. You know, the market is strong under the surface. I mean, a lot of people, you know. We're looking for the Dow transportation, John? Yeah, the transport yeah. chart. A lot of people poo-poo Dow theory, but we still use it as part of our process uh, at Potomac. And, you know, we kind of use it a little bit differently. We're not just subjectively looking at the industrials and, and, and the uh, transports. You know, we're putting some some quantitative trust behind for it. The, for the listeners who are not, uh, mostly not technicians. Dow transport, uh, uh, Dow theory is that the behavior of the transportation average stocks should confirm in one direction What's or the other the what the industrials are doing because everyone follows the industrials. But if if the industrials are making highs and the transports aren't, 
then that would be uh, some sort of negative divergence would exactly which would make you be more skeptical on the Dow. I mean, it kind of dates back to when we were more of an industrial economy, right? This, I mean, the Dow theory is over 100 years old, right? Think of an environment where a lot of the manufacturing was taking place on the East Coast. But the country was expanding west, right? So you had to get the stuff there. Yeah. The rail companies were kind of the internet stocks of their day, right? So, you know, Charles Dow started looking at the industrials, the companies that make the stuff. Yeah. And the rail companies. The original the Dow Jones Industrial Average was all rail companies. Pretty much. Because that's what the technology was. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So, you know, if the companies that make the stuff are having trouble, that's probably going to filter down to the companies that ship the stuff at some point, right? So this concept of confirmation. So we still use it. Right, we use it a little more quantitatively. We we put bands around moving averages uh, as part of as part of our model at Potomac, but it's it's done well. well so what is what is it? this is just indicating that this is just a weekly chart of the right. transports. What are these uh, two ba- lines? Those are bands around oh, okay. the twenty seven week moving average, right? So generally, you know, if you're up above that upper band and and making higher highs, that's some pretty good internal behavior or intermarket behavior. Um, you know, especially what's, what's in this now? It's like FedEx, UPS, bunch of, of rails, airlines, the airlines, Union Pacific, right? Okay. You know, it's it's a lot of the stodgy old industrial companies. Is Uber in the Dow Jones transportation average? No, way. I and if not, not why wouldn't it be? I think it should be. It's it should not. be. Avis Car is, and remember when that went is, up is still twenty points? No, Avis <laughs> Rent a Car is in the Dow. Yeah, transports. symbol Car, and there was a day where it went up two hundred points. It became a meme stock. Oh, I remember that. And you know, it's price weighted, or and all of a sudden, the transports had this ridiculous move. Uh, we're going back two years. Uh, if I knew what we were talking about, I would have brought well, the transports used to be Avis. twenty stocks. That's what I mean. Avis. Yeah, twenty stocks. 20, twenty in the transports, fifteen in the utilities, and thirty in the Dow. And, and the Dow's a mess. How is Intel still in the Dow? I, just I don't put understand. up this uh, weekly advanced decline line. What are we looking at here? Just uh, a weekly running total of uh, advancers minus decliners, right? And are you pulling out the non-stocks, or you're not? No, we actually with that? we actually use. All NYSE traded stocks, which and so, issues. So we include the we include the closed end funds, the bond right, funds, right. right? To get a holistic view of what the market's doing, and you know, again, you know, we're not just kind of looking at lines on the chart. We're putting some math behind it. You know, moving averages with bands, and you know, this to me is a breath confirmation. There's been a lot of breath confirmations. We have some other charts as well, right? So you have you have the transports doing well. You have advanced decline data starting to turn and move higher. So to Michael's point, like it, it's a strong market under the surface. Now the S&P 500 has gone nowhere and you know, the S&P 500 is the benchmark, but there are a lot of other stocks yeah, out if, there. If you look at equal weight indexes, if you look at a lot of different ways of looking at the stock market away from cap weight and index, it's all the same message. So, so I was looking this morning at the advanced decline line, daily data for the S&P 1500. Okay. And it is within striking distance of a one-year high, the advanced decline line for the S&P 1500. If you talk to the average, even professional who works in the market, they would not guess that. No, of course they wouldn't. January was a very strong month for stocks. I think the market was up 6% or so. It's now February 16th, and the market has gone sideways all month, but we're digesting those gains. That's fair. Right? Like, we're just, we're not, but we're not advanced, but we're not giving anything back. Also, though, like, just historically, after a shitty year in the market, you should expect a big stock market rally. That's what, om- not always, but almost always, the worst years are followed by pretty good years. And look who it's leading. It was all the laggards from last year. So the rotation is, it's real. I, I think mean, that's probably the, I, that's probably the biggest debate in the market. all the time, yeah. though. Like, this ARC is, is up 43% year to date. There's a great book called There Was a Very Good Year, and it's the 10 best years in the market. And they all follow, I think all of them, 
for the most part, follow very bad years. Yeah. Maybe the late 90s is an exception. But for the most part, after a really bad year, you have a really good year. But I think the, I, but I think the cognitive dissonance this time and what people don't like about this is, okay, fine, we had a bear market last year, down 20% in the S&P is pretty rare. Now we have a bounce. The problem is this bounce is not being accompanied with a recovery in earnings. In fact, the profits are getting, earnings are getting worse and rates are going higher. So like, why is it bouncing? Like, why is it bouncing starting in January? Why wouldn't the bounce start mid-year maybe when the Fed's actually done or when we know the extent of the, the earnings damage? I mean, That's you, why I think people are struggling with this. You can speculate on what that is and you guys probably have a better view of that than, than a lot of people. I mean, beginning of the year, I, people I have rebalance. No, I have rebalance no idea it, what's going on. Rebalance their portfolios, <laughs> right? Uh, so Fresh is, money comes into the market. You kind of rebalance. You got a lot of things got really off size last year. Here's the thing. That's what should happen. But actually, the fund flow data is the opposite. Yeah, uh, people are putting money out of stock market. People so, are pulling money yeah. out of equity funds every week this year, mutual and ETF. But this is what I'm saying about positioning. People are still so offside. They're offside. Mm-hmm. Um, the da- this is interesting. The Dow transportation average, according to Investopedia, does not have Uber in it. However, <laughs> however, when <laughs> I look stupid. at the transports, I look at IYT, right? Yep. That, that's, that's the ticket that I look at. And Uber is the fourth biggest holding. What? That? Explain. How is that possible? IYT is well, just a transportation a trans- ETF. It's, 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 it's the Dow oh, transport yeah, yeah. ETF. And they'll rebalance the more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who's the S&P Dow Jones indexes? Yeah. So what are they doing? Uh, they're How cutting they edge. P- they see the no, future. No, no, no. Yeah. I thought iShares was MSCI. iShares is MSCI. Yes. And then, yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm saying why wouldn't it be in the Dow Jones transportation average? Because they don't they're rebalance old. these things. When's the last time they changed a Dow stock? How do people transport themselves if not via Uber? I don't know. We got to poke them with a stick. Wake them up. Yeah, left is in here. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right, what do we have from Sam Rowe, Mike? I don't know. Uh, what is this? Rally uh, from October. Who's, who put this? Sam Rowe. Yeah. Oh, Ex- okay, here, exactly. Sam is proving our point. So this is from Bank of America, Global Fund Manager Survey. The rally from October 12th, driven by easier financial conditions, generally viewed by investors as a bear market rally rather than a new bull market. 66% of investors think it's a bear market rally. Only 23% of investors this think it's a new, new bull market. They, this just happened? This is February 23rd. So the, oh, wait a minute. I'm February sorry, February 23rd. My bad. Uh, so they're still there's so they're still so offsides and getting more offsides. They're selling their funds. So the longer stocks stay up here, the more people are gonna have to chase. And that's the chase. problem. And it could lead to a nice short opportunity for people waiting to short this market. Um, uh, what do we have? What do we have here? Ten day breadth thrust. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's a that's a pretty rare signal. This is basically taking a running total past ten days um, of you know advancers decliners. And when the ratio gets over two, stocks going up versus stocks going down. Yep. To, uh, over two meaning two to one? Two to one. Okay. Over over a cumulative 10-day period. So you take the past 10 days, add them up of advancers, divide by past 10 days, decliners, right? I and mean, if that ratio gets over two, it does. It hasn't happened often, right? And So last time it happened was the bottom in March 2020. Coming out of that. Right? Yes. Coming and out of that. It actually six, happened. 12 months after. It actually happened in May. So, I mean, that's a pretty powerful signal. So it just happened in the middle of January, right? There's the one, you know, it actually happened in May, June, 2020, coming out of the, uh, it so, actually, June 4th, June 4th, 2020, uh, coming out of the COVID lows, right? So, you know, what could, like, what else could cause that other than a lot of people buying stocks? So who is, so who, who are the bears? Well, the bears uh, got out at the end of the year and they just, they just like, don't. Nothing, could, nothing can artificially cause a bread thrust. I'm trying to think out, I'm trying to think, 
Like, what would well, be a reason well, to explain this short other covering, than people buying? Short covering. Short covering. So there, we, we showed that chart last week. It was the highest short covering in uh, since 2016 or something like that. It was yeah, a, but this happened this happened in, mid, in mid-January. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, oh, no, okay. they, they, this happened before the short oh, covering. That's right, that's right. That's from, right. Last week or the week before yeah. that, they said short sellers lost three hundred billion dollars year to date or something like that. Maybe. I forgot when that people came like out. to pick on short sellers. I like short sellers. They keep keep the market honest. They do. Um, what's this table? With this the table is thrust? basically the the stats around that breath rust. And you know what's kind of interesting to me is a lot of people love to call out. You know what happens? This is you know how how the market tends to perform. The S and P five hundred tends to perform over the next year of trading, right? Which everyone loves to do. But nobody tells you kind of what the ride is like no. over the course of that year. So we pay attention to those last two columns pretty closely. MAE is max adverse excursion. So the most you were down on the trade if you took it since the signal. Yeah, that's a since great. The signal fired. Of, I love I love max Wait, what is, what adverse is, excursion. Max adverse. Ex- so, so the excursion so is like let's the, say you, let's say this let's say this trigger is the S and P is at a hundred. Right. So you buy the S and P at hundred. Why did you just say max drawdown? That's like the it's the, not max drawdown. It's the Winnie the Pooh monocle. It's not max drawdown. <laughs> max drawdown is your drawdown from the high. Right. This is the most you were down yeah. in negative territory since putting the trade on, the most money you were down, right? So you could be up 100% and then draw down 50%. That's your drawdown. I understand. So, okay. you know, what's the ride like? Everyone so, loves to all put- right, So a 10-day bread thrust triggers, and then you're like counting down historically backward. Yeah, What from a right, year. So- Okay, so what is the lesson from the second to last column? The lesson then? is I, people love to throw the stat out there. The market's higher one year later. Yeah, that's what we do. And, yeah. and that's, but that's like, like nobody, half, that's like a half our stick. Shit, so he, just go, blew, he just blew up our spot. Go, go easy on us. No, it isn't. What's no, the MFA? What's MFA? Max favorable excursion. Wait, no, finish your thought. Finish your thought. But like, I think it's helpful to know what the ride is like. Yes, right? I agree. So you know, you can can you can you withstand it? Right, it's right up there with the if you put ten thousand dollars in in Amazon <laughs> on their IPO, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be worth this yeah, much today, yeah. but. Would you have ridden that 90%, yeah, if you, 95% yeah. drawdown? If you got your passwords, your brokerage account, yeah. then you right? would be— So right, right, right. we think it's favorable to kind of—or at least helpful to talk about what, you know, what could go wrong. What's the path to okay. get to that? So MFE— Is max favorable excursion. So that's the most you were up on the trade at any point within that one-year period. So even that looks favorable. So the max favorable excursion after a 10-day bread thrust a year later is 26%. On, a- on average. On average, of yeah. course. And the max adverse version of that is negative four on average. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good f-ing, year uh, trade off. Look at a year, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it probably is, but right. like, but can not everybody can withstand that? Well, what's look the at, worst? Look at eighteen and a half percent. Yeah, but look at a year. Look at a year like nineteen forty nine. Jay remembers it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, at one point you were up. It's the first year on the floor. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, the most you were up on the most you were up at any point within the year was about thirty one, little over thirty one percent, but. The trade clo- would have closed with a gain of twelve point eight percent. Okay, so you, that's your that's your drawdown. That's a big drawdown, right? right? So, but you had Sinatra. You like, did. It wasn't all bad. It did wasn't. you? Forty one, probably not. You would have forty yeah, nine. Sure. Yeah, you I definitely think did. That was him. Yeah, forty nine. You had him. Hoboken days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's so that's a, like that's, so a good, that's a good message for people because <clears> the way we phrase it is the the map is not the terrain. Exactly right. It's the same so concept. So like I could point to the other side of the map and show you the route to get there. But I can't describe the feeling of going through that route. You almost have to like live it. And I think for from an investing perspective, it's like, yes, Amazon is up 19,000%. But there were days where you where you were down half your money. But if you if you show it on an arithmetic chart, you don't see that 95% drawdown. That's right. So that's the way you should that's do a, it. I think that's a very good lesson, people. That's the de- but and we also kind of for, for us, we're big on, you know, good alone, better together. So we always look at things 
we don't never just look at one indicator, right? And I'm sure, you know, nobody would really ever trade on one indicator, but people love to harp on this stuff. But you kind of start combining this. You have this breath thrust. You have transports doing well. You have advanced decline data starting to inflect higher. I mean, and news getting better and earnings not that yeah. bad. Like it's everything. We're almost we're almost starting to sound like permabulls. I'm getting I'm actually getting scared. <laughs> you know my default my default setting is actually bearish. I have to work at a place that's systematic, otherwise I would just be bearish all the time. Why? I think that, but I think that's most people. Wait, why? I have a I have a theory on this. My age? We're, yeah, I think we're about the same it's age. Human right, so you, it's so, human nature. It's not so, unique. all right, hear me out. Here, so you and I have seen big bear markets. So you and I have seen big bear markets. They always come back. But but at the same time, like so, you know, sitting in college in the late nineties, right? It's the greatest thing in the world, right? Basically cutting class to go to the library to trade Microsoft and Cisco. And at one point I actually told my dad, I said, I think I'm going to just become a day trader. Like this is pretty easy. And my dad was in the business. He was a sales trader. And he basically looked at me and was like, you know what, Dan, you're not that smart. It's a bull market. He's like, just finish school and go to work. Boy, was so, that great. Was that, was it was, that it ever was, true? It was so true. Because I, I, I had a job lined up at the New York Stock Exchange for a specialist firm. I had interned there for a bunch of summers. And I was literally thinking about tossing that to go sit in some office on Long Island and day trade. Dude, a lot of people were. And I a know. lot of people did. In 1999? Yeah. A lot of, yeah. none of them are doing that now. No, no. We just went through it they though. Sell, and we're, sell, but uh, we're going through it again. Yeah. To they the sell point small of, business loans now. So. <laughs> they were doing mortgages in around 06, 07. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, so for me, you know, that was just, uh, we've lived through that and everything is that great. Was so a very we graduate. Form, that was a formative experience for you. Well, but then like, so you graduate, you go to work. It's the year 2000, right? The new yeah. millennium. Everything is, you know, supposed to be puppy dogs and ice cream. I started working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange the week that AOL bought Time Warner. You know, this time is different, yeah. right? So we get, you know, we get the bursting of the dot-com bubble, right? So I have a front row seat for that on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. You know, and within that, we get 9-11, we get the accounting scandals, Enron, WorldCom. Yeah, I'm yep. sure you saw some of those, those stocks trading. Enron was trading basically two panels away from where I was working. It was the most crazy thing I've ever seen. But things start getting better. We get, then we get the global financial crisis. And then we get COVID. So it's like you have these once every 100-year events, quote, unquote. We've had, we had three of them. And the market just keeps going up. So, all right, so you, and the market just keeps going up. But like it fascinates me that like things go down so quickly and I don't know. And psychologically, so this is not unique to you. Every investor is more bearish because the disposition effect, that losses, you feel them twice as much as gains. But I have another theory too. Go ahead. I think your first trade where you really make a decent amount of money can imprint you as well. Oh, I totally yeah. agree with that. And when I, was, when I was a market maker on the floor of the stock exchange, my first big money-making trade was to the short side. So, oh, I totally so agree with that. Now, so yeah, you yeah. have all these events and, and then like, oh, wow, look at this. But I can also make your first big loss, things. your first big loss could- um, I've never had a big loss. Sure, I have. <laughs> uh, your first big loss though also, I think could have a really big effect on how you think about risk. 100%. Um, and like you can never shake. It becomes like wired but Dan, as a part since, of you. Stan, since you started, you saw the dot-com bubble blow up. You saw the GFC. You saw COVID and the market's up. I'm 12. not saying it's rational. No, uh, and I'm, I'm, of course not. No, but the market's up 12% a year probably over uh, the time. Yep. Compounded. No. With well, somehow, we had a lost decade oh, maybe not. in there. Yeah, no. yeah. That's true. 2000, fair, 2000 fair. to now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, maybe it was not. Eight, with, with, uh, with the, the era that you're referencing, late 90s when you're in college, I'm in college at the same time. Yeah. Uh, the Dow's 8,000. Breaks 10,000 in-, in uh, for the first time in 97, right? Yep. Doesn't stay above because then we have the Asian crisis Asian and all crisis, that shit. And then long-term capital. But so it's 34,000 now. 
That's crazy. I don't know if that's 12% a year, but it's like... Whatever. Yeah, it might be less. It's, it's, but guys, it's I have bad news. The markets are rolling over again on the lows of the day. Yeah. Duncan, delete everything I said. Yeah, yeah. Let's start this <laughs> over now. I'm all, all right. bearish. See, this is why I'm bearish. Hey, what's this uh, regime index? So basically, this is something that, that we created uh, for intermarket analysis. It is a combination of relationships across equities, fixed income, and commodities. It's basically, this chart allows me to be an economist without being an economist. Um, so when I look at it and I look at the one-year slope or the one-year trend, you can basically see, so when it's, you know, above zero and green, the trend is accelerating. When it's above zero and red, the trend is still working higher, but it's decelerating, right? And vice versa on the downside, right? And to your point, things were, things are starting to become, I say, less bad, right? We're, we're still below zero, but, you know, green. So things are basically declining at a slower pace. So if you believe in market relationships, right, I'm not sitting here ripping apart economic data. I'm just looking at what the market's telling me, mm -hmm. right? And, and if you take this combination of relationships that we look at, things are becoming so less bad. what's in there? Commodities? So, you know, like the ratio, copper gold, the copper gold ratio is okay. in there. Uh, a ratio of um, high beta to low volatility. A ratio of regional banks to REITs, right? And um, high yield bonds to treasuries. Because there's right? signal in what the crowd's preference is from one of those things to another. I like, think- Which is outperforming the other, so of course. To me, the bear case is interest rates, again, because we've got the two-year at 4.6. You've got the 10-year at, uh, you've got the 10-year at 3.8. This is the highest it's been since December. If interest rates, which are in a pretty steep uptrend right now, at some point, this is going to present a problem for stocks, just like the risk-reward equation. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I could get- uh, five percent on one year, like that. That is potentially probably. This is the most you've ever seen stock people pay attention to bond yields. It's the most for paying attention to every data point. The CPI was something that we never even looked at, and yeah. now we're looking at that. But yeah, it's a but Super Bowl now. The bond market's moving faster than we've ever seen it before. But look at the volatility in the ten-year. Uh, it was three point four percent just six weeks ago, and uh, now we're, know, we're. I had a chart we're of the moving index. On the door. So I was going to put that in uh, here. A four percent again. Um, so yeah, the, just. The last six weeks, as the yeah. ten years rallied, so has the market. So something is a yeah, little. Yeah, two weeks ago, the two year was at four four oh three, and now it's four six. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, those are ridiculously just fast. Like, just anecdotally, I don't ever remember a time where stock market people were this fixated on a ten year treasury. We didn't talk about. We the never bond had market. to. Is no. the point? No, you that just, you haven't had to in our career. Never. Yeah. Right. right. Never had to worry about inflation, but you definitely weren't fixated on treasury. Uh, yields. They no. just weren't the thing. Even when the Fed was the thing, the 10-year treasury, what the f*** are we talking about? And like, the dollar's the other thing. The dollar's the thing that it drove the bus last year. As the dollar kept getting stronger, we kept getting weaker. The dollar's finally stabilized. It found support. It's rallying again. That had a pretty big balance. It hasn't impacted so, stocks something yet. yet. Something, yeah, really. something interesting that I didn't see a lot of people talking about. I didn't throw this in the doc, but it, I think your Danny did this this morning mm -hmm. in like a quick blast. Foreign investors and or banks or whatever um, put $1.7 trillion into U.S. bonds last year, which offset the entirety of the tapering. Wow. Like, and then some. Wow. Yeah. So crazy. where would rates, I guess, like, where would rates have gotten to if not for all that foreign buying? Yeah. Maybe we'd be at 6% already. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's. Uh, so you're talking about interest rates. Yeah, credit spreads are tightening. Yeah, right. I was going to say, let's right. go to credit spreads here. Right. John, are tightening. Uh, and this is, so the chart. CCC that, chart. The chart that I brought. So this is CCC and below. This is like the, the crappiest yeah. of yeah, the crap. This is shit. Can I say crap? Yeah. Okay. This is basically. What's in here? Like FTX bonds? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Bankruptcy claims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, and just like a simple <laughs> weekly chart with a 52-week moving average. And 
you know, this is just something that we pay attention to and don't necessarily use it. But that's the yield nine nine one. This is no, so weird. Fin- financial conditions. The, oh, the spread, spread the between price of the, the price of the spread. Financial conditions are easing and tightening. Easing and tightening. Yes. So, but like, like this thing did a pretty good job on the way up when it crossed above the fifty-two week moving average in early, you know, early twenty twenty-two. Right. We came into twenty-two. A lot of people don't remember. Like everyone talks about how bad twenty twenty-two was, but made market, an made, market made an all-time high. January third. I was actually on some media platform screaming about how bullish I am. I mean, who's like <laughs> default is the bear, right? But I've just kind of gone the trend following route, right? So I always tell people, if you're a trend follower, you're going to be max bullish at the top, and you're going to be max bearish at the bottom. That's the risk. If you're a trend follower, that's that's like every investment strategy has an Achilles heel. The Achilles heel for trend following is if what the cost is of staying bullish past the the, the peak. But people are default trend followers because we made the point that bears are are the most bearish at the bottom. Of course, that's right. Yeah. Or the, or they sound the most convincing, yeah. maybe because they have the most confirmation bias. Yeah. So, like, that's when they really go crazy. So, even if they're not necessarily following the trend, the, the, the subconscious trend is confirming that they're right. Yeah, I agree. But because the news is terrible around that time. Just yeah, go back to it's 2020. Black. It's black. Right? The market bottoms on, you know, March 23rd, March 23rd of 2020. We had just shut down. Right? Yeah. You were less than two weeks into it. And yeah. the market was bottoming. And I remember it. I remember April 6th being the day because it was my wife's birthday and our anniversary. And, you know, things were still terrible. We were trying to figure out what to do. It was our first anniversary. And she's, I was running around the house. She's all happy. And she's like, what, what's going on? I said, what's well, our anniversary? I said, I'm going to buy some stocks. This is for my personal account. And she's like, what? She's like, Do you see what's going on? I said, yeah, it's okay. We're going to buy stocks here. Good for you. you the buy, balance made no sense to me. You buy it as no. Bill Ackman was on the air being like, hell is coming. That was, that was like, March 15th. There were, there were, early, yeah. there were early indications that at least a short-term bottom was in, right? And I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make is they think they have to be um, – all in or all out all the time, especially like, you know, if yeah. you're if you're a research analyst or if you're, you know, writing a newsletter, people expect you to be all in, all out. But in actuality, it's more nuanced than that. That's you so can be incre- childish. Incrementally like positive. Swing to 100% or bearish, stocks right. or cash. Yeah, what are you, bullish the, or bearish? The good news is nobody actually really does that. Or Nobody no. manages money No, of course I mean, not. it's crazy. Jay, are you bullish or bearish? I am I'm, I'm <laughs> neutral right now. I, I think we are more, uh, if you're equity, I'd be more bullish because I think we've broken out of these downtrends and now there are viable dips. There are actual support levels to look at. You know, 4,100 in the S&P 500. Below, you know, we're above the 200-day moving average. starting to flatten. We're at 4,096. Yeah, all right. So we got four points. <laughs> you stopped a few out. More time, <laughs> so stopped out. No, we'll see where we go. But uh, it, it's hard as a technician to say that uh, I'm still in the bear camp right now because the breadth has just been too widening to the positive side for me to say, eh, you know, but is if that, you listen to the news, then you, dude, you is that the worst kind window. of, is that the worst kind of technician? The one who says I'm bullish and then no matter what happens, like they'll find a chart that confirms it. Yeah. Like yeah why they should stay bullish I, I, and vice versa. I, and, and this is where that's not really a technician anymore. That's no. a, that's a demagogue. Confirmation bias. Yeah. It's an if this, then that. And you're always trying to manage risk. So you're not going to get the bottom. You're not going to get the top. But you're going to get the meat of that trade during the trend. I like to keep it simple. If the market is up that day, I'm bullish. If it's down, I'm bearish. All right. There you go. <laughs> uh, not enough people are talking about the possibility that stock bond correlation could be reverting to pre-2000 dynamics. I find this idea really interesting. Most of the people listening to the show, if they were around pre-2000, probably don't remember much about no. Stock bond correlations. I know I don't. So. I mean, so stock bond correlations were positive pre two thousand. For really, how long? Really, all of the nineties, most of the nineties. Like, like rates went up, 
uh, gradually because the economy was good. Bonds went up, stocks went up. Yeah, okay. Bonds went down, stocks went down, right? And then kind of realistically, it's more like 1998. It was long-term capital management was probably the catalyst for the flip. Yeah. Right. If anybody remembers long-term capital, I actually had a buddy who was working there. He graduated a year ahead of me. He was talking about how great it was. Right. And I was like, whoa, you got a job there. That's amazing. So summer of 98, that, that blew up. That and blew up Greenspan, August of 98. Greenspan overnight went nuts on rates. Yeah. He dropped rates as fast as he could. So then all of a sudden now, if you just like kind of look at that chart, right, those are one year and five year correlations between, you know, stocks and the 10 year note. So that's, that's note pricing, not, not yield. Right. So through most of the 2000s up until last year, Oh, look at that. They moved inverse, right? So this is this is your, you know, when people talk about the 60-40 portfolio and the death of the 60-40 portfolio, like this worked out so perfectly because it did its job theoretically, right? Stocks were up, bonds were down, but when stocks were down, bonds did your job of hedging. So our view lately is that that could be changing, right? And, you know, the one-year correlation has now flipped positive. The five-year correlation looks like it's about to turn positive. So what happens in that environment? Like, are investors are investors ready for what that? What happens when stocks and bonds are, are moving, correlated? What happens when your diversi- when, What happens when your diversifier is not diversified? Well, that happened in twenty twenty two. That was the entire thing. What that happens was, if that, that happens for a decade? But what happens if it's a decade? Well, no, I shouldn't say it can't. The idea that you're going to get killed in bonds again seems kind of unlikely. Is the two you're going to go from four six up to seven? I mean, I guess it could. But if that happens, then your stocks going to f- destroy you anyway. Yes. Right. But I mean, just the fact that they're moving together. I mean, I think that changes the the investment equation a little bit for people who kind of think a little bit more strategically. So is that an ar- is that a, an argument for like a larger alt sleeve in a portfolio? I think it's an argument for like a barbell approach. Right, you're not gonna you're not gonna really get people to not own bonds, right? Just given the demographics, well, in especially the now when they're right. actually attractive. Exactly. But I own bonds. You're too way too young for that, no? Yeah. Right. No, but I think there's probably never too, never too young to start. I hear you. Okay, go ahead. There's probably an argument to be made for seeking out things that yeah. have little to no correlation to equities and taking kind of this barbell approach, right? Take your stock bond portfolio over here, but start seeking out things like I don't know, trend following, things that are less correlated as a diversifier to add. So there's to a portfolio. few problems. There's a few problems with that that I have seen. And you've seen this too, I'm sure. The first is people just say, "Oh, alts." There's like, yeah, what does nine, that mean? there's like 9 million different things going on. You could have a very different, different experience buying any one of the 12 different alts that I, I think you have to of. drill down. I, you know, I think you have to drill down and actually do the work, right? Because if you look at something, you know, I forget what the ticker symbol is, but there's an, there's an ETF that tracks like the long short equity strategy. And it's, B, like, is it BT? Is it um, BTAL is new? It's something different. But a lot of these still have a tight correlation to the S and P 500. I mean, most yeah. long short managers. Yeah, you know, no, don't run, don't run neutral. A lot of them will run seventy percent net long. So at that point, you might as well doing? just buy the S and P right. three basis right. points. Right, or or if you want to use it as a hedge, <clears throat> just put ninety percent of the money to the S and P, put ten percent in cash. You'll have the same drag that you're getting from probably. Right, so there's some element to that. Second thing is, I think it leads people down some dark alleys when they're convinced that stocks and bonds won't be good enough, and their willingness to do stupid shit. Like, I mean, I'm just throwing crypt, crypto, but at really anything under the sun that could go bad. It's not that they shouldn't do those things. It's that they shouldn't assume that that's a safe harbor. That no, I don't think it's, no, you can never assume anything's a safe harbor, right? That's right. Yep. I that's mean, right. just take a look, take a look at the next chart that I have here. Okay. Right? What's here, the next chart? Here's your safe harbor. T, you know, 
long-term treasuries. Yeah. <laughs> LOL. LOL. Yeah. <laughs> it was until it wasn't. Here's your, here's your safe harbor with an equity-like drawdown of 46%. I prefer the zeros, wild, personally. Yeah. This is ROZ. Yeah, what, what did that that got cut, that got cut in half, right? I'm I pretty sure. Did. Yeah, what, zero coupon bonds. Yeah, yeah. There's the hedge, the um, the ETF. Z, so that, yeah, it's, it's still in a fifty. That that got hit for sixty percent almost. Now it's down fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, almost sixty percent. Yeah, I mean that's because that's no income. That's just pure. That's price. All, it's yeah, all it's right. all the duration. Oh my God, it's exactly all of it. So like so here so you know here's your here's your safe asset with equity like drawdowns. Hold on, this is a forty six percent drawdown. From the high, from the high. For, for this is TLT. TLT. Now let's assume that this is most, a lot of people's default I know. risk off. I know, and it worked really well, and it worked really well, but it did also get killed in 08. Yes. Okay, so like I think most people understood that it's not the same as buying SHY. Fair. I think like the like ninety five percent of people using this as a hedge knew that it wasn't the best hedge. It's not cash. Hold on. Nobody's using TLT as a head. I mean, I was just saying nobody. To me, this is a trading vehicle. It's a the well, risk-off vehicle. It's a risk I kind of think people— No, no, no. Hang on. I'll, I'll say it differently. People piled into TLT when there was a risk-off event. I don't think people were using TLT and stocks as a 60-40 type thing. I well, think how much money is in it? I'll tell you 20, right now. Like 20 billion. Oh, okay. I mean, so then, yeah. It's probably not a big component of, like, let's say, model portfolio at more than Oh, 30 Stanley. billion. But my point is, T- back prior to this episode that we're in, TLT was, you're right, you guys are right. TLT was a risk-off trade. Whenever there was a risky event, this thing shot up, asset piled in. I think that's fair. Are there any triple levered bond ETFs? There are. Yeah. I didn't know. We're actually working on a quadruple. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to get that out quickly. Uh, what is this What is this multi-color chart? We don't need to do this one. Oh, we're going to skip right. that? Yeah, let's talk about Elon. Is oh, Elon, boy. Oh. <laughs> is Elon Musk getting, is Elon Musk getting like visibly... Uh, crazier, like is that even is that is that the narrative now? Is it possible? I, I mean, the whole Twitter thing. If it, it, I put let me it let the, me set let me set yeah. this up. Okay, all right. Twitter chief executive Elon Musk rallied a team of roughly eighty engineers to reconfigure the platform's algorithm so his tweets would be more widely viewed. Uh, this is according to a news site called Platformer. A disgruntled Musk called for an emergency effort after a tweet he sent during the Super Bowl. Failed to achieve as much engagement as a tweet from Joe Biden. Which, by the way, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, Quote, I have more than 100 million followers and I'm only getting tens of thousands of impressions. Uh, a Twitter, here, uh, a Twitter employee and cousin of Elon Musk, James Musk, posted urgently in the company Slack at 2.30 a.m. after the Super Bowl. Yep. Right. Asking all employees who can code to participate. Quote, any people who can make dashboards and write software Please, can you help solve this problem? This is high urgency. That sounds like Elon was punching him in the face. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it, it's funny because one of my friends, uh, Walt Pysik at Walt Lightshed, he tweeted and he, he noticed it, if you go to the for you part instead of who you're following, everything that he liked was showing up in his for you feed because he followed Musk. So it was gaming that you, if you follow Musk, you're going to see everything he replied I mean, to, everything he liked. This is so, this is yeah. why is childish. Why isn't it enough? It is childish. Childish. It's but I mean, enough. look at me, look yeah. at me. It's, I, don't care how, I don't care how much money you have. $44 yeah, billion dollars is a lot of money for an ego trip. Like, I don't know. <laughs> why, like, why isn't it enough to be top five richest people who've ever lived or ever will? And just, like, be able to, like, do the shit you love. Like, he loves building rockets. He's not like, shit, I have to make another rocket. But wait, but wait. One of the companies— Like, he has the ingredients to have the greatest life anyone could ever live. But listen, so to that point— He's worried about his—
and tweets. Twitter. One of the yes. company's two remaining principal engineers offered a possible explanation for Elon's declining reach just under a year after whatever. Okay, he said um, uh, public interest in his antics is waning. And so what did Elon do? You're fired. Yeah, and that's Fat probably guy. the most likely mm-hmm. explanation. It's not that he doesn't have reach. No, it's it's fatigue. It's people have yeah. seen it. Yeah, we, we get got it. it. We we saw it. It's mm-hmm. we're over it. Right. You know what I think this is? Psychosis. These are this is these are like the kids in high school that got beat up. Yeah. And now they run the world. Okay. So they're still just childish and immature like they were in high school. Well, wait, no, it was good. I think it was fun. good if you got beat up though in high was school. It? I think so. I think you had not bullied, but I think you had to have been some fists. That's my problem with a lot of people I run into now. I could tell they've never been beaten. Maybe up. beat up. Maybe they're picked on. Geeks, picked, picked nerds, on. Yeah. picked on. Yeah, yeah. Right. And high school probably wasn't fun for them. And uh, now they have all this money; they can do whatever they want. So you Elon, do things like this. I think Elon's dad owned an emerald mine in uh, <laughs> South Africa. I think he was okay in high school, but I see your point. Uh, this, I don't know if if this is a fake story then we all are buying into it because it sounds like it's real. It sounds oh, like something yeah. he would do. It's yeah. totally real. Absolutely. Yeah. So now Tesla workers are trying to unionize. Fired. They fired them all. Yeah. D- did they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that came out came today, today or yesterday. Hmm. And they had a— they, Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, what's this picture okay, with so, Bill so, Mudd? So I like this. Let's this talk, let's talk about this picture. So I just want to get some reactions from you guys. So we had Michael Jordan shot in 1998 against the Jazz, and you've just got the crowd uh, fixated— and then you've got LeBron breaking the record, and you've got literally, as would I, everybody in the crowd hold, holding up a cell phone, with the exception of Phil Knight, which is pretty epic. Yep. Well, look at the crowd. What year is that? 98? 98. Okay, so look at the crowd. Nobody has a camera. Because- uh, there's one dude. There's one dude to the top left of the backboard oh. who has a physical camera. <laughs> and then the guy on the bottom whose job it is to have guy, a camera. Right. Correct. And the rest of us were okay with right. that. Like, someone else is going to get this picture. Yeah. It'll be in Sports Illustrated. I don't also need to get this picture. So the okay. juxtaposition of this is pretty it's pretty striking. I don't I mean is this good is this bad it just one, is. One thing to explain this though. This is not because they want the picture. This is so that they can show their friends that they were there. Yeah yeah. So yeah. it is the experience, but the experience is worth more to people if they can use it to demonstrate why they're better than I would be they taking know. a picture. That's how you, that's how you have the memory, of course. You're, you're, you're watching it on a four-inch screen no, 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 instead no. of in real life. Well, I think people are, well, that's a but fair point. But you were nodding when I said that. You agree with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree. That's Everyone a fair point. would rather watch a concert now on the screen of their phone. How about this? Person. If you took that picture, you'd probably post it to Instagram and never look at it again. Never. I, I was at LeBron's game at the Sixers where he went to third past Kobe Bryant, who then died the next day, was awful. And, you know, my kid, every kid there, anyone under the age of 50 was recording that moment. So I have it. Have I ever gone back and watched it? No. But does this make it any less exciting? Are you not experiencing the moment because you're watching it through your phone? I don't think so. I I think the electricity in that atmosphere was probably insane. Yeah, without a doubt. But we can sit back and judge them. Don't you think in 10 years, though, this will look ridiculous? Because, because by then, I'm not saying people get over taking pictures and bragging how great their life is on social media, but by then it'll just become this thing where, all right, everyone's going to have the picture. It's cooler if no, you don't post no, it. No, no, no. It'll never no, become that? No. no. The, in 10 years, you'll be taking a picture with your eyeball or something. I was going to say it's going to be embedded the, the, the in your eye. The camera will be in your brain. Well, okay, but so if, Elon's every, gonna put it if there, everyone is doing that, then what is the point? Is so, what you I'm can, so you can put it on Instagram. This feels yeah. peak something No, it's me. not. It's I, not. I think the kids, it's not peak anything. This is what it is nowadays. This the is for kids Instagram. of these kids will mock these people somehow. Because we get mocked now. as you know. I'm mocking them, and it's four days later. Yeah. This looks ridiculous to me. And actually, mm-hmm. you know what's amazing to me? 
Not one of these people is looking around and saying, oh, this is so ridiculous. Everyone's holding their phone so up. So if you're at that game, what are you doing? Uh, my phone's up. My, yeah, instinct would, my instinct would be to take the picture, but I do think this about myself. Mm-hmm. I don't do things that everyone else is doing. And if I did look around, I'd be like, okay, yeah. okay, you're 100% on your phone. I 100% <laughs> would put my phone down if I noticed everyone else had theirs up. How would you? you I'm an iconoclast. <laughs> no, you would. Yeah, yes. You're taking a picture. You take a photo. Said that. You take a photo. You know, you don't just like stand there recording. The oh, dude, you would never see me like videoing. You would never see it. I might take a picture. This is a lot. It's a lot. And it's everyone. But how about this? Hold on. Let's also, this is this is the record-breaking bucket. This is not normal. What do these people give a shit about this record? What does it mean to them? None of them. Just, say, just being there is enough. I think Being there is yeah. enough. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, just like being present. But now you're proving well, you there. Yeah. That's, that's all yeah. it is. It's just... It's all for it's it all feels for, peak something to me. At I, least... You know what else I, I missed, too? You guys, sound, a, you guys sound old. On a related, <laughs> on a related note... <laughs> I hate the flashlights at concerts. I kind of miss the uh, lighters. Yeah. Oh, I miss lighters, lighters at concerts. Yeah. You bring your own, bring an analog lighter. <laughs> Actually. All right. I so, love it. Jay, what do you, what's the sandwich generation? All right. You Wait, know, hold on. We got to get some ice in here. We're going to crack this in Coro while we do the, the, the last topic. Okay. All right. You can work on that box. Oh, it is right. 23 degrees. Now I, I feel see, it. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's very special. No, I came to you guys. For help. We talked about this outside the floor one of these days. No one talks about Gen X. We're like the forgotten generation. You, every, every, keep, keep it that way. way. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, Jake, we, keep, we going, were, keep going. We had the greatest life. You know, I mean, just go out, come back at dark, get in the station wagon, no seatbelt, mom hit the turn hard, yeah. fly around. No phones, no internet. No, nothing. The best. But, but right now, it, in my experience personally, we are that sandwich generation. We have kids that are getting more and more expensive. In my case, two, three, two in college, college one kids. high school. Yeah. And then we have the aging generation that needs help. And a lot of our generation is in different directions, you know, because we're, you know, we're both product of divorce and you have a mom here, a dad there. Me too, me too. By divorce, herself. divorce, divorce. Yeah. And there's no playbook that I've seen that says, all right, what's the play? I know how to save for college. I know how to save for retirement. How do you save and how do you drag those elders along and say, all right, you got to help me out here and take care of yourself instead of relying on me on yeah. top of everything else. Unfor- I, unfortunately, yeah. you're going to need robots to come pick up the slack, to take care of people. AI will fix this? No, not AI. Like physical robots oh. are going to be taking care of 90-year-olds in the next 10 years, and that's going to become the norm. Because we are not, we don't have immigration that will take all these nursing jobs that are needed. <laughs> There's just no... What? <laughs> Am I about to drink a measure? I was about to start pouring this in there. That's really funny, actually. Yeah. I probably would have drank All right, so Jay, yeah. so what's the point? The, the point is, it's <laughs> just <laughs> complaining about taking care of his parents. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I, mean, I need psychological help, and that's why I came. No, it's just one of those things that I don't think has been addressed enough. And as Josh shushed, this generation is in a situation that we haven't seen. People are living longer. It's getting more expensive to maintain that lifestyle. So they're falling back on this generation. Nice pour there, Josh. And, um, you can't tell I was a bartender? Yeah. And oh, this is good. Okay. If you haven't noticed, uh, college hasn't okay, gotten he's. cheaper. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, Jay's trying to make a point. No, there's, like- there is no point. Jay, the point is... Jay, you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what financial planners now are faced with yeah. is answering these kinds of questions for people in their early 50s. They can't believe what they're looking at. They have parents who are late 70s, early 80s. They have kids who are in college and probably going to require assistance for at least the next 10 years. Like, I want an apartment in the city. My job's not paying me. You know, like that whole thing. It's terrifying. 
And I don't think most people have saved money to be able to even do this. Yeah. So I think it's a huge issue. Fortunately, there aren't that many of us. Gen X, relatively small. Yeah. That's, you know, we're, we're in hiding, so to speak. I think there are 65 million Xers. I think 69 million boomers still alive. Yep. And then like 75 million millennials. So maybe the answer is we make our younger brothers and sisters do this. All right, that works for me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know a way out. <laughs> no, uh, but this but is I one agree, of those topics that I think is going to become more and more of uh, something in your industry yeah. that, that we're going to deal with. And I, I researched it, and there aren't enough things. I may blog about my own situation and, and open that blog back up soon. But it was just one of those things that I, I came to you for help. I you know, wasn't here you know, for anything. Dude, else. and it's not yeah. just money. And it's not just money. Our generation now has to contend with parents who are in the phase of life where you start making really bad decisions or your cognitive, like your ability to make yeah. decisions is on the decline. Not for everyone and not at the same rate, but this is a very real thing. There's actually software being sold in our industry where the client agrees at like 70 from here on out every year I'm going to take this test and the test determines my own decision-making ability, et cetera. And there's like documented research that people are just less and less and less able to do things or think correctly uh, as time goes on. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Like there's not one 65-year-old you could say that to that wants to have that conversation. So imagine having it at 70, at 75. Look so what happens when you try to take somebody's driver's license away. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, they'll kill you. Yeah. Right, because it's because it's much more meaningful than the driving itself. Of right? course. So people don't like to hear that shit. Uh, and lastly, um, you yeah. know, I'm surprised Michael didn't lead with the, the Eagles losing the Super Bowl. Well, I, I was uh, what happened? That. Okay, my question is, Hassan Reddick and yeah. the rest of the defensive line, I thought they were good. I did too. Uh, I was kind of surprised. I saw them go through the Giants three times this year. Uh, uh, too soon. I had yeah. a bit of conviction that the Eagles were going to win because I thought that on both sides of the line, they had the better, they had the, the advantage. Obviously, Mahomes is Mahomes. Yep. Um, but that that had to hurt. Huh? Yeah, it, it okay? hurt. I am okay. Yeah. Uh, the defense just it, they had an off day. Um, you know, Andy Reid finally learned how to coach in a big game, unfortunately. And uh, that's I coaching. Would, that's I would have bet. I would have bet Eagles. I did bet the Eagles. I did bet the Eagles. But too. I did. they were begging you to take the Eagles. Well, yeah, and Mahomes is hard points. not to root for. But I the one thing that frustrates me, and I'm not complaining <laughs> about the call, is but as, as fans of the tough. game, tough. you call it consistently, and let's. Let's see a fantastic finish or a possible fantastic That was very finish. tough, but to your, yeah. to your point, it's not as if the Eagles were going to win. Although they were scoring a lot, they probably yeah. would have. But, yeah, it's tough. Listen, you're on the strict. What, what is it, this? This is, this is why, you know, it, there are stats to say thank you for the Eagles losing. Because when Philadelphia does this, win championships, this this thank you, Ryan Dietrich, um, you, you can see when the Eagles won in 2018, uh, the, the week after they won, the Dow was down over 2,000 points. It was the worst year since 2008. When the Phillies, they lost the World Series this year. So you can thank the Phillies. We started rallying when? Uh, October 13th, right <laughs> right before the World <laughs> Series. Uh, but we had the financial crisis, 1980, double-dip recession. It goes on and on in Philadelphia sports history. I so, didn't know the athletics were based in Philly before Oakland. Oh, uh, they were. They did were, you know that? I did. How? Were you a baseball card collector? or I know. Yeah, but that was even before we were collecting cards. But when did they move to... That I don't know. Uh, don't like know. in the forties, fifties. They all moved yeah, out. Definitely before the fifties. So market yeah. is closed. Lows of the day: S and P down one point three six percent. The Qs finished down one point eight eight percent. Do we have DraftKings? Duncan, enter, uh, delete everything I said. 
Uh, do we have dra- oh, draft cases tonight? Yes. I think so. Um, all right, so we're at, we're at to the point and of- Redfin, Mike. We're at the, Redfin. Redfin. Uh, <clears throat> we're at the point of uh, favorites. I'll go first. Uh, I have two. This morning- Hold on. Stop, what? stop, stop. What? We have fun today, guys. We so did. Fun. Yes. It was a good did. show, right? Yeah. All right. How's the Sincoro hitting? Uh, Sincoro? I, I thought it was too soon. soon. All on. right. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Oh, yeah. I, cheers. cheers. It is very good. It is so good. being present- and putting your f***ing phone down, right? Did any of us pick up a phone besides Mike? No. The whole time My phone's here? not here, asshole. Love you. <laughs> this is delicious. Um, okay, so yesterday morning, sometimes when my wife leaves the house at 6 in the morning, I just turn on the TV, mm-hmm. and I did yesterday, and uh, Ex Machina was on, so uh, I revisited that. Is that rewatchable? Incredibly. So listen is to this. Fun? Incredibly rewatchable. It, it aged very well. I didn't realize that movie is 2015. So, it, I mean, if you saw it, you know what it's about. But it was actually A24's first big commercial success. And they've been wildly successful. Why, what else do they make? I mean, basically all my favorite movies. Like, all, really? all of the independent horror stuff. Like, they do all of that. Is that Oscar Isaac? Yeah, it was Oscar Isaac. Are you going to see the Winnie the Pooh horror movie? Uh, I'll probably see it. Yeah. Wait, that's real? I think yeah, so. Yeah, I'll probably, I'll, it's I'll probably see it. It's very real. Um... Okay, I listened to Howard had Brent, Howard Stern and Brendan Fraser on, and they were reminiscing about one of my absolute favorite movies of all time as a child, Airheads. Chris Farley, Buscemi, The Lone really Rangers. I f-ing love that movie. Okay. Uh, Chris Farley, yep. Buscemi, Sandler, uh, yep. Brendan Fraser. Yeah, the Michael Schneider McKeon, uh, Kramer, Rob Schneider, no. Adam Sandler. Yeah, Kram- Kramer's in it. Kramer's in it. And the guy with the ponytail, Miles, I forget what his name is, but he's, he's, uh, yep. he's, he's the bad guy for mm-hmm. sure. Why, why, why did Howard bring that movie up in particular? Uh, I can't remember how it came up, but I'm so glad it did because maybe we're talking about Farley. I can't remember. Oh, they're talking about, I think Farley and Sandler. Okay. That's how it came up. Yep. Uh, anyway, just a shout to that movie. It's so rewatchable. Just it, an all-timer. It, it's definitely, and you, you find something new every time you go back and watch Not it. Not so. me. I've watched it a hundred times. Well, okay. I've only watched it three. Just and, a ba- uh, absolute banger. Yeah, but uh, fantastic call on uh, Airheads. Great right, rewatch. I'm going to do mine, and then we're going to get you, you yep. guys uh, in the mix. I listened to uh, Rick Rubin on with Dan Carlin. You guys listen to that Hardcore History podcast? Why was he on Hardcore History? The Addendum. Uh, oh, they're friends oh, in real yeah. life. Okay. So I guess I guess a lot of famous people are friends with Dan Carlin because they listen to his show and they reach out. Tom Hanks, remember that episode? Yeah, Elon Musk on. He did, uh, remember the Tom Hanks episode? Yeah, they had yeah. Tom Hanks. Tom on. Hanks is a huge fan of Hardcore History. So Rick Rubin has a book out called The Creative Act, and it's he thinks the first book ever written about being creative, like not just about creativity, but like what it's like when you are creating. And Justin Costelli sent me the book. I haven't gotten into it yet. Rick Rubin's a Long Island guy. Uh, Oceanside, I think. Really? really? Yeah. Rick Rubin uh, basically is like one of the five people who invented hip hop as like a commercial. Yeah. Like he didn't invent it in the Bronx, but like he is LL Cool J run DMC. He made it like a big mainstream thing. Um, anyway, this book is uh, uh, this conversation. If you don't want to read the book, listen to Rick Rubin on uh, Hardcore History Addendum with Dan Carlin. The other one is the last episode of uh, Last of Us. Uh, episode five. I'm so glad you mentioned that. You guys, who, who's in on this so uh, far? I'm going to wait till the season's over and I'm going to binge it. What about you? I haven't seen it. What else are you watching? Oh, we're going to get to yours. Yeah. All right. You might want to jump into this. I'm going to have to. I think you're going to have to. Where is it? Uh, HBO. HBO. Dude, the bloater that comes out of the pit. Do you know what's called a bloater? Nerd alert. No. Yeah, no, big time. <laughs> the monster. Yeah, yeah. Suck. That's the fourth stage of the infection suck. when they get that big. Suck. All right. There'll be one more of those in the season. <laughs> Dude. It was, it, it's, so that, it's, right. it's, it's, a, it's, it, it's not a zombie show. There are zombies in it. It's basically 
what happens in a post human world where there's just a few of us left and civilizations, uh, you know, little uh, people rise up and create their own little villages. And there's like this parasitic infection. That's like a fungus. Yeah. So it grows like a mushroom inside of people really just, until it takes them over. When do you watch this? When you and then really like work? the, Feel yeah. Awful. And then all the moving averages trend lower. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. Who's in it? Who's the star then? Uh, Pedro Pascal. Okay. Uh, the guy from Mandalorian. That's how I would know. And, his name, uh, yeah. and Narcos now. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he, he got famous. Oh, and uh, Wonder, of- Wonder Woman, who's a bad guy in Wonder Woman. Okay. The, little, the little girl from uh, Game of Thrones is the other. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. All right. Uh, Jay, favorites. All right. Well, I shout out to Brian Shannon. He just released his book. Uh, you know, I think he's probably going to come in here and talk to you guys eventually. But uh, that's you the last book the I read. Forward? You know who wrote the forward? By the way, you book? wrote a great job. It was good, right? Great job on that forward. Yeah, you really put some time into that. He, I was impressed. He's like, you have a week. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'll write all about anchored uh, volume weighted average price. Yep. What else would I? Yeah. He's like, no, don't do that. Like, write it. Write about like why you care what I think. Yeah, and that was a good direction. Yeah, so. he, like, can he, I say something? I'm not mad at Brian. I love Brian. I wrote like a little blurb, and I didn't make the cut. I did. <laughs> what? Yeah, I made a hundred blurbs. You're in the paperback. You're in the paperback. <laughs> you got Ouch. mentioned in the back. Um, I got a blurb right on the top of the back. Wait, I, I'm, I was, I'm on the back? You, you, no, 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 you're, no. No, nowhere to be found. No, there's one. I was, I was, I was scrubbed. Your name I'm, is I mentioned. I think I'm on like the third or fourth okay. page. Yeah, the, the your name was definitely thanks. Whatever. You're on, the, you're on page Brian. three of the book? Yeah. Of or the, the blurbs. Blurbs. Real quick, first time I ever met Brian Shannon. He's a great guy, Brian. We were at like one of those Lindzen events in not La Jolla. Coronado Island. Yeah. And it's me, JC, and Brian Shannon. I'd never met Brian before. And we made a plan the night before, drunk, that we were going to wake up at 7 a.m. and kayak <laughs> into the caves. Yeah. And the instructor meets us in the lobby. He's like, guys, we can't go out today. There's uh, sharks. And Shannon's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> so Brian said, Shannon. I said, I do. I'll oh. go back to bed. That's Shannon. I love uh, him. Why do you love the book? I love the book because I, I, you know, I knew, I, I kind of begged him to write it. Uh, I met him okay. at a CMT event and he asked a question when I was on a panel, what's the biggest change you've seen in the market? I go the way people trade. They trade by, based on VWAP. They, they want to know where the volume is at a trade, not what the price is. And he goes- Tell everyone what volume weighted average price means. So it's, volu- it's the volume- point in the day where there was the most trading at a certain price. Exactly. So the open and the close tend to skew v- anchored VWAP because the biggest trade of the day is usually the opening print and the closing print. And this takes the average amount of volume at each price point and then anchor, well, it doesn't anchor, it gives you an average daily volume, uh, average price of where all that volume is. So things tend to trend back to the anchored VWAP. And now he anchors it and he explains in the book how he picks what events to start his trend line and, you know, how he uses the anchored VWAP over multiple time frames. It's all bullshit. Yeah, well, it's done kidding. very well for him. And it's, it, to me, <laughs> it's no, been I'm the totally biggest kidding. change. Totally I know, I know. That's but, why he didn't make the book. I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, shout out to Brian. Was that, wait, was that your blurb? <laughs> 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 that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Crumpled up on the floor. Wait, can I just, um, Dan, before we get to your favorite, this is just very interesting. This is a good illustration of how the markets work. Yeah. On Animal Spurs this week, Ben and I were talking about how people are eschewing uh, DoorDash and companies like it because it's just so it's so. Is expensive. it eschewing or skewing? I don't know. Did I say a- it right? A- no, you said eschewing. Okay, Sh- whatever. Shoeing. Um, it's so expensive. Like, uh, I spoke about how I tried to order something that was $43 and it ended up being 80. So I said, absolutely not. In any event, DoorDash just reported and stocks up 13%. Yeah. What do you know? And, nice Uber, and Uber Eats was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are people too. that are lazy Charged enough. Yeah. There yeah. are people that are lazy enough that they will spend Your whatever. boots on the ground research was worthless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
so, uh, stick to charts. So, real quick, uh, the other thing, podcasts, I always listen to you every Wednesday morning. Thanks, so brother. I give you a shout-out on Twitter when I like it. And if I don't say anything, just whatever. <laughs> um, the show I'm watching is embarrassing to admit I'm watching Game of Thrones. Uh, I was the one guy on the floor that didn't watch it as it premiered. Doing the right thing. Yeah, well, now, now I'm binging it. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And then uh, there's this show, Shrinking, with mm. Harrison Ford and uh, Jason Siegel on Apple+. Plus. It's, it's, it's very cute. cute. It's yeah. like your therapist gets really involved in your life and will show up at your events. And Are you it, watching this? It's fantastic. No, is he like too grumpy to watch now? He He's Harrison? always Just grumpy. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, he's, he's barely in it. Harrison Ford. He's like a... Yeah, he, he's... he's He's all right. I find him tough He's these not days. the main character. I, so. I mean, I grew up Don't, with Don't, just Harrison watch him out. There's a new Indiana Jones. Did you see <laughs> that commercial during the Super Bowl? I don't think I'm going to go. I, I don't know how they're doing that. Uh, but yes, you are. Yeah. I really don't think I'm going to go. I think I'll watch it on... Uh, Oh, did you guys see? Actually, hold on. Keep talking. Yeah. I, I need to find this. And then the last thing, concerts. I, I used to follow you religiously at every concert you went to. You I'm haven't? Out. Did you go to Arcade Fire? That's your band. No, I would love to have. National. Well, they're I, coming. I Nationals national. coming August uh, in Where New are York. They playing? Are they Madison playing? Square Garden. I'll probably go to that. I got an extra ticket. So do you? Yeah, I do. All right. All right. We'll we'll talk. And uh, I was just wondering what you guys have been seeing because that used to be your thing. No, I know. I stopped. I stopped. You know why? It's just. It's just like. The year in my life right now with my kid trying to get into college and my son is now in eighth grade and the amount of tutors and driving them to neither one of them drives. It's just so overwhelming yep. that when Thursday or Friday night roll around, I'm not calling my boys like, what are you up to? I'm like, thank God. I'm just going to go to sleep. Yeah. I'm just want to like put my phone down and like watch TV show, not spend money, not be in my car, not be go- go- coming or going. I'll, it's a phase. Yeah. I'll probably come back. Uh, at some point, but that's just where I am right no, now. And you got to enjoy I hope it's this. Not permanent. Enjoy this time right now because they will be gone. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I know it's, it's, it's hard to enjoy, but I understand yeah. that it's very, very finite. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what's going on. Uh, Dan, what are your favorites? Old you and guys. I are sharing this one, I think. Which one? Tulsa, Tulsa King, King, bro. I mean, the old guys are making a comeback. It's good. I love it's it. Good. I love it. I love it. Stallone. So Stallone's a mob guy. Goes away for twenty five years. Wait, why do you? Out. Why do you love? Why do you love it? I don't know because he's Rocky. I, I feel like, you know, thing. it's kind of like you just grew up with it. Would you like the show if it wasn't Stallone? It was somebody I, else. It'd have to be somebody like De Niro or like one of somebody right, that just It's an fits actor the you've never heard of. No, probably not. I probably don't think so either. I, I might not so. have even tried it. No. But I love, I, so Rocky was like yeah. a huge part of my childhood. I think it's the year I was born. Yeah. 76 or 77. But like all of those movies. It was just like part of our childhood. It was like, oh, there's a new Rocky. Agreed. All right. He's really good on the show. He's actually acting. What if it was oh, Vin Diesel? This. This, is what, this, is what, this is what I was looking for. Vin Diesel is not comparable to Sylvester Stallone. Look at this. What is that? Wow. That's Harrison Ford de-aged. Wow. How crazy is that? Oh, that's weird. That's unbelievable. I mean... That's like real AI. Duncan, look at this. Yeah, tweet that out. That's pretty sick. Hey, can you guys do that for me on YouTube? Isn't that incredible? <laughs> take 30 we'll, years we'll off of me. Can you give me hair? Wow. <laughs> uh... And what's Scared. what's breathed by Ricks and Gracie? It's uh, all right. So about a year and a half ago, I started, I don't know, foolishly maybe training jujitsu. Okay. And kind of gotten really into it. And he uh, Hicks and Gracie is part of the Gracie family, the kind of the family that put jujitsu on the map here in the U.S. When Hoist Gracie beat the snot out of some WWF wrestler at the first UFC. So it's just kind of interesting reading about their life, how how they kind of trained, how they grew up and how they brought jujitsu here. Kind of the key premise of the book is you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Okay. Jiu-jitsu, you're on the ground a lot. Um, you know, you're training against people who might be a lot bigger than you. So I was training last night with a guy who weighs, who's got me by like 50 pounds. 
right? That guy gets on top of you. You can do one of two things. You can panic and you're going to get choked or arm barred and something bad's going to happen. Or you can kind of just be comfortable with it and figure it out. So, you know, kind of goes through his philosophy for dealing with hardship and through, through that lens. So how long have you been doing it? 18 months. Okay. You got it good? It's hard to tell if you're, you're getting surprising good. yourself. Sometimes you don't, you kind of, it's hard to see your progress because you're kind of training with the same people all the time. Okay. And everybody's kind of progressing at the same, at the same pace. And what's kind of, when, what you tend to get from beginners is, um, you get a lot of like kids in their early twenties, just out of college. Like, you know, you get in there with like the XD one wrestler. Yeah. So you, you take your beatings, but then you have somebody, you know, somebody who's only been doing it a month and you kind of manhandle them yeah. a little bit and you're kind of, all right, I'm kind of get this. My so friend Rappaport's been doing that for like five years. It's so much fun. And his whole Instagram feed is now like him, like winning trophies or with, wow. with the I'm other contemplating, guys. I'm contemplating competing. Why? I mean, why, what's the worst happens? You lose. You're not going to die. Well, you, you tear your ACL. I mean, you could get hurt, McMurtry, I guess. McMurtry yeah. just got hurt doing jiu-jitsu. But, uh, Bro, was he, was he doing UFC? Was he like doing UFC or jiu-jitsu? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember it being jujitsu, but he was fighting yeah. something. Yeah. He was, yeah, I don't want to get punched. Yeah. <laughs> right, Why is that a big teeth. part of it? I thought there's it was like no, more like wrestling. There is no, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Jujitsu yeah. is grappling. It's not like breaking. accidentally like elbowed in the no, face. No, but I, I would never do like UFC. They right. have those UFC yeah, yeah. gyms no, all around yeah. us, right? And, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't want anybody to hit me. No, jujitsu is wrestling. Face. It's basically wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed that face it. Face is the money maker. Not this one. It's got a face for radio. <laughs> well, and guys, we've had so much fun hanging with you two. Uh, I can't believe it took us this long to have either of you here, let alone getting you both on the same day. It was just absolutely awesome. So thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you for having us. I want to tell people where they could follow you and learn more about what you do. Uh, we'll start with you, Dan. Uh, you are, are you t- a tweeter? I am. Twitter guy? Okay, what's sure. your Twitter handle? At Dan Russo underscore CMT. At Dan Russo underscore CMT. Okay, and where do we learn more about Potomac Funds and some of the research that you were referencing before? Head over to uh, PotomacFund.com. Potomac Fund? Yep. Not funds. Fund. F-U-N-D. PotomacFund.com. Exactly. Awesome. Jay Woods, where should we follow you? Well, I follow uh, you everywhere. You do, you do. I, I, you can find me at the New York Stock Exchange. Um, okay. In between things right Most now. Most people can't get in. No, well, you, just, <laughs> you, you let me know. And, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get you in. You know, just, I, I bring your kids back. They, they came to see you on TV and they didn't even pay attention to you. It was fantastic. 100%. 100%. But I'm at Twitter at jwoods3. You can follow me at LinkedIn, jwoodscmt. You're on Instagram. We follow uh, each other. Who's Jay Woods Instagram. 2? What's that? Who's Jay Woods 2? I don't know let's who Jay Woods Jay Woods 1, 2, 3. Yeah. Uh, I just grabbed 3 because it's my number and... Uh, it went well, but, uh, you know, I'll have a big announcement in the next few weeks about a career change, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that. I'll Good do it on Twitter, us. too. Good for you. You guys, are, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming Thanks out for and us. hanging out with me. I uh, wanted to announce that next week, oh yeah, we're the done. compound is on vacation. Like, everybody. John's, where are you going? Belgium? France yep. and Belgium? Nice. Okay. Duncan, okay. what about you? Duncan's going to North Carolina. I'm running a 5K in Wilmington, North Carolina. Nice. Look at that. Where are you going? Hi, how are you? Oh, where are you going? <laughs> oh, uh, Disney. All right. Wait, Disney. I thought I thought next week somebody was fixing up the. Conference. Ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, they have five Ks here That's too. Not next you week. know, talking. I do a lot of That's that. That's not next week. Shh. <laughs> uh, I'm having a staycation next week. We're gonna take my daughter to look at some colleges. Nice. So All right. uh, good enough. Uh, but we're giving everybody. Where's I don't know if Nicole's doing anything. We're giving everyone the week off. So don't look for the shows next week. But I promise we are coming back hard. The following week, we will miss you guys too much. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome weekend and week. Thank you guys. Thank you. All right, so that was the warm up. Uh,
Well, it's funny. I listen to the show every week, and I'm like, are we taping this shit? Like, I 